So Liam, I listened to your podcast last week. Great listen, but did you slyly add in an advert? What do you mean? Well, you started to talk about DyingScene.com, like how it's a great place to find all things punk, like news, tour dates, album reviews, and all that good stuff. But it sounded like DyingScene.com was sponsoring the podcast. Nah. I mean, the good people at DyingScene.com just kind of wanted to help out a new podcast. And the spirit of the punk community, I thought I would uh, show them the same gratitude back. Uh, Sounds like a sponsor to me. I don't think so. I mean, that would mean that Punks and Pubs has already sold out. Punks and Pub match? No, anyone? Welcome to episode 7 of Punks in Pubs. My name is Liam Bird and thank you for joining me. Happy Valentine's Day for yesterday. I hope you all had someone you could snuggle up with no matter what it was. Even if it was a human being, a dog, a cat, a vibrator, uh, a flashlight, whatever. As long as it loved you back, that's all that matters. Can flashlights love you back? I'm sure they can in some kind of way. For you newbies, this is not a podcast about masturbation tools. This is a podcast called Punks and Pubs. It's a bi-weekly podcast where I talk to anyone who has some association with punk music. Past guests have included Pat Fetic of Anti-Flag, Frank Turner of Frank Turner and the Sleeping Souls, an MP from Bristol West who has completely slipped my mind her name, but she was great, and Alex Fitzpatrick, owner of Holy Raw Records. All past episodes are available to stream and download for free. Not only do I give you all that content for free, at the end of each episode, I hand over the show to you. Every episode, I invite you to play out the podcast. So if you are in a punk band and want to play out the podcast, then please do get in contact via social media at Punks and Pubs on Twitter and Instagram. This week, a Brazilian ska band will be playing out the show. Moving forward. Pancake Day. I fucking love Pancake Day. Uh, Pancake Day is, is, it might be named something in your country because in the UK it's called Pancake Day, but I know it's called many other things around the world. I think in Sweden it's called Fattesdeng or Fat Tuesday. In Estonia, I know they celebrate it by eating pea soup and whipped cream. Yum. And in America it's called Mardi Gras. And from what I understand, everyone gets naked and you drink beer. Or is that just New Orleans? It's one of the two. I know it's one of the two. If you've ever been to New Orleans, I have. And it literally is that. It's the most crazy place I've ever been for alcohol. Yeah. Memories. Anyway, and in Iceland, they call it Bursting Day. And it's marked by eating salty meat and peas. That sounds disgusting, but this does not. Episode 7 is coming to you from Iceland. In November last year, I went to Iceland for a short trip away. By far the most beautiful place I've ever been in my life, but also probably the most expensive place I've ever been in my life. £10 for a beer. Punks and pubs would go bust living in Iceland, I can tell you that. I discovered that there's a punk museum in Iceland celebrating Icelandic punk. I know nothing of Icelandic punk. I'm going to guess you know nothing of Icelandic punk, but I reached out to the museum and was put in touch with a wonderful man called Sveti. Sveti is the museum's creator and he replied back to me and he was happy to sit down and have a chat to me while I asked him about very stupid questions about Icelandic punk that were probably for him moronic, but for me were was a great insight into a punk region of the world that I never knew existed. So episode seven of Punks in Pubs is me talking to Sveti. We, of course, speak about Icelandic punk and the museum, of course, and punk in general. But we also get to know about Sveti as well. He would tell us tales of being homeless in Iceland. I know. Could there be any worse place to be homeless? The time he met John Lydon, a.k.a. Johnny Rotten. And also Sveti would tell you about the times that he does not give a fuck about what you think. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a little something different, but I'm so glad I made it happen. I give you... Sveti. Mm-hmm. 
Right, I am currently in Iceland, in Reykjavik in particular, here on holiday, but while I was here I discovered that there was a museum, a punk museum. So I reached out to the gentleman who's in front of me, and I asked if I can do an interview with him, and he very kindly said he would. So I'm going to butcher his name, but here we go. Uh, Svetta. 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 Sorry, man. <laughs> so shit. Um, I'm used to it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for doing this. No problem. Let's start off. Why is there a punk museum in Reykjavik? Uh, why not? Uh, I mean... The, the story goes like this. There is a, an old punk watching TV and he's uh, just picking his nose or watching uh, some documentary from the BBC or some English channel. And uh, in the documentary uh, appears the Queen who suggests that 2017 should really be the year of punk. And she was referring, as I understand, at the song from the Sex Pistols that they were singing on the river. 30 years ago so he all of a sudden went like oh my god am I already this fucking old and his wife said yeah well you belong to him in a museum and somehow something happened in his head and he went to talk to the city knew about some place was empty unused he did some deal there I don't know what but he then contacted us guys about five six of us and said okay here's a plan I would like a museum about punk, the history of Icelandic punk. And that's what happened. So, <laughs> so for people who don't know, can you explain where the, the museum is and particularly what the location used to be? Well, the location is basically exactly downtown in the center of Reykjavik, old Reykjavik. And uh, the place used to be a public toilet for women. Yeah. So it was used until, as I understand it, uh, until 2003. And uh, they shut it down basically because it was almost unused. And if it was used, it was only drunken people, boring people. So there was nobody really who wanted to take the job from the old lady who went into whatever she was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I think she retired. She was, a, was an old lady, so probably retired or something like that but they closed it down and it's been empty about 10 years 13 years so so it only opened in 2016 2016 2nd of November and it was opened by Johnny Warren yeah how how did you well it happen? happened like uh, it just happened he was here in the country because of uh, so, some reading of his book and uh, he had just got out a book and he was, was at Harpa, and somebody knew about it and decided to go and talk to him and ask him if he would uh, like to visit and open up the, the museum. And as I understand, uh, Johnny said, give me a six-pack and I'll open up for you. And, and, and how was he? Was he, he, was, he was, well, Gentleman? I think he was just like he is, you know. <laughs> he was uh, very polite at the beginning and... Uh, a few drinks fun. later, <laughs> uh, few drinks later, he was uh, getting. He was still fun, you know, but uh, he was getting obnoxious a, a bit. And, uh, at the end, he was really uh, punking out the punks. <laughs> <laughs> he still got it though in that aspect of like still that attitude of yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. what he used to be. He still yeah, yeah but, uh, no. I mean, I talked only with uh, with him for five minutes or something like that, so I can't really judge anything out of it. But it was nice. I no, mean, so it's five minutes or yeah, He's just a person. I mean, that's very true. I mean, in the UK, he's a person who sells butter. Did you know that? Have you seen that advert? Yeah, but uh, it wasn't that a long time ago. It was like five years ago. It's like, a, and it still hurts for a lot of parts. Yes, yeah, but it's like the the story I heard, I heard that he was getting fat, and I was I saw a picture of him outside some uh, some some store in America. In some Hawaiian shirt and uh, holding some uh, groceries, and he wa it looked really fat. So uh, I really believed it. Then he comes here, and he's just like I've seen him thin and good, you know. Okay, he's got a, a little stomach, but the, the guy is already 60, so. He's allowed it. I think so. I think so. If not, then I'm in trouble myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to judge how old you are. What era of punk is punk for you? 
Oh man, I really don't know. I'm, I'm maybe a bit special in that way. I'm 66 model, so I'm 51, going 52. And when I was around 10 years old, I started to change my clothes that I had because I didn't like it, how they were. I got used clothes, we were poor, we didn't go to stores and buy new clothes, but were clothes from the time, you know, white, uh, white uh, trousers and those hippie style of clothing. And I started to sew things on, the, on my clothes and things like that. So at a, at a point I thought there was something wrong with me because nobody did it. And it's when I'm about 12, 13 years old that I see my first punks. And they're on a train, a train station, just fooling around with their mohawks and their spikes and all that, that, that. And that's about around 68 or something like that. 68, 69. It's not until I come here to Iceland, because I'm from Belgium, and I'm coming here in Iceland when I'm 14, going on 15, that I meet the punks in uh, Iceland, and I get to hear the punk music. So then I connected the punks with the punk music and, okay, I must be a punk. Yeah. <laughs> but I got problems with the, the, the whole concept of uh, when is punk, what is punk, you know. The, especially now after Facebook came to be, to be, there's so much, so many groups that are punk groups. Yep. And then they're all quarreling. Is Green Day a punk group? No, they're not. Uh, are you a punk if you have a more? No, you're not. You know, go go. The battle between who owns punk? Where did punk come from? You know, it's Britain, it's America, it's Britain. No, it's France. Oh, it's Germany. And then all of a sudden, I go on the internet and I find out that in Chile, 1964, there was some punk band going on that was already famous. Yeah. You know, so you go like, okay, then Chile must be the father of punk no I'm going to ruin that have you seen the documentary Death no okay so there was a band in 1960 something in Detroit three black guys and they were a funk band yeah and then they got I heard about them yeah, yeah and then yeah, yeah. They, they made like an EP yeah I heard about it. it's a fucking amazing punk album yeah so like, they were punk before punk was even allegedly on the map yeah that's uh, what uh, I, th- I think I could sit myself in that category you know mm. I was a punk without knowing there was punk So was there a particular album that, like, or was it the style that kind of drew you to the the, the scene? Well, it's totally the, the, the style. I, I went into the hardcore punk, street punk, fast music, you know, really loud distortion uh, and all that kind. And uh, there are so many bands that I got to listen at, at the same time. Because the guys that I met, they had the, their records and I was just eating it up, eating it up. And, uh, I mean, uh, it goes from crust to black flag to the germs, you know, all the, basically, the old good bands from both seas, you know. Yep. Lucky us, in Iceland, we are in between England and America. <laughs> so, it, it's not that we got a lot of stuff, but we got a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah. as such, you know. So, get, just going back, so you moved from Belgium to Iceland... Um, what we, I'm guessing that's because of family reasons that you came yeah, to yeah, Iceland. Yeah, yeah. So how did your family react to you all of a sudden getting involved with the punks in Iceland? Like, were they kind of like... Well, this is not, uh, that's really totally a, another story. Basically, the thing is, I never lived with my family in Belgium. Okay. 
And when I came to Iceland, I had all of a sudden to live with my family. And it only took six months and I went out. Yep. And I decided to live on the streets rather than to have to live with that family. And it didn't matter what they thought, you know. So living in the streets in Iceland is not like living in the streets in California. No. So how was that? That must have been. Well, were you busking? I mean, like, what nah, were you? No, 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 no. The thing is, you, Iceland, uh, especially at that time, uh, it was almost, if you knew somebody, he knows somebody that knows somebody, and it, everybody has a net. Yeah. So, thing is, if one is in trouble, can't live with his parents or something, he goes to his grandmother or he goes to the sister of the mother or whatever. In my case, I didn't have no family, no background, because I went from the only family I had. But the guys just shoved me in the in the bedroom in the middle of the night, you know, waited until the parents were asleep, and then opened the door and let yeah. me in. Or basically, the parents just didn't say anything. They just came in with the with the kid and went into the bedroom and slept there. A few times I had to sleep uh, where. What do you call it? Uh, a garbage? Uh, uh, yeah, like a, a, a dustbin, a, du- a dumpster. Yeah, the, the the place where they keep the yeah, dustbins. Yeah, one with a lid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. The <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't afford a lid. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are the houses here. They have most of the time, especially the old houses. They have a, a, sp- a special room where they keep the, the trash cans. So I broke in into that room where the, tr- the trash is kept and yep. slept there. Basically, the old houses, they have the heating also at the same, st- the same place. So it was quite, uh, pretty warm. Mm-hmm. And if somebody came, I was just in the trash. You know, I was not breaking in or nothing. So nobody really, I was just kicked out and ashamed. Uh, you know, never come back here. Yeah. Uh, so I was okay. Uh, living... We have social, uh, some social uh, thing going on here. So if you you don't work or if you're sick or something, you get money from the, the city or the state. Yes. So I got that for a while. And if I didn't have the right to it, I just went out in the street and asked people for money. And at that time, it was no problem. Just people just gave you a fiver, a tenner, and then at the end, you had for, for some bread or some milk, and the day was good. <laughs> So how did you find the punk community? Was that was that the thing that kind of drew you into punk? Was there a community here that kind of took you in? Yeah, it was, it was more that it was more like a a group. Yeah. So there were there were punks just hanging around on a bus a bus station here in Reykjavik. There were all the punks that were here downtown in at the cafe house. Then uh, up. In Copenhagen, you had punks just on, in the underground. There's an underground for where you wait for the, the buses, and they were hanging there. And in, Bre- in Breilt, you had another group of punks there. I met the punks in Glen and got to know a few of them. Ended up in a band with them and played for a few years with them all. And yeah, they went. They went to be my family. Now I don't have I don't have much contact with them anymore. But at the time they were really like my brothers, and you know I got a few houses where I just could come in, yeah. and they didn't need, even need to be at home. The mom and dad would just welcome me in and ask me if I were hungry. You know, you want to eat something, or take those trousers out uh, down. I'm gonna wash them, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, so. Yeah. So what were you doing in the band? What, what, what instrument were you playing in? <coughs> well, the first band that I was playing in uh, is uh, Schalzfron, which means masturbation. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I came in, uh, the band was in a very low place. They didn't play much anything. And I started to play the bass. Now I'm a terrible bass, bass player. So there were some songs that the guitar player took and played the bass. But there are two, two guitar players. So when he took the bass, the other guitar player played, and it was great. So I decided, okay, then I sing. And uh, it ended up like we had two, three guys who played the bass, three guys that sang, and uh, two guys that played the guitar. And it was just rotating this song, yeah, you sing that one. I'm playing the bass on that one. And we played until 91. And we had great. So was that... 
touring around Iceland? Did you get to go to Europe? Or? No, we never even toured. We just no? kept here in Reykjavik and it was enough for us. Yeah. I mean, at the time we even played one gig every every week for about seven months. And uh, that was pretty heavy. So people who might be listening to this, I, I'm going to guess people listening to this are probably based in London or based in America. So when they speak about, when they think about punk music, they might not associate punk with Iceland. But just because with geography is so far away from the beginning, uh, I did quotation marks there, uh, that they, they wouldn't understand how it, how it got here. Really? No. So, growing up here, I mean, can you remember seeing bands come into play? And yeah, yeah, I mean, the the Clash came here, and uh, Edson and the Nobo came here, Psychic TV came here, Crash came here. You know, a lot of bands that, came, that have come here, either because they were on the way to America, or on the way to Europe in touring. Yep. So, they stopped here and played. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I see that in the, at the museum that there are a lot of people that go like I didn't know there was punk in, in Iceland and I go like why not I mean uh, you got punk in Greenland you know <laughs> I never knew that <laughs> I, I mean uh, punk is an ideology and uh, also a music taste so you, you got the both of it and the if you're going to take the ideology then you know, of course it's me against the norm whatever the norm is fuck you I'm doing it my way. Yeah. So, a lot of people are punks in themselves there. Then the, there is also the music that attracts other people who are totally not punk, but say, hey, this is nice to play. I can play this. Yeah. And play punk. So, I mean, I heard, I don't know, I just, I still have to check, but there is, there are even punks in Tibet. Yeah, right? I, I generally believe there is. Yeah, right. So I, I actually I watched a um, a program about punks uh, in that region going around helping homeless people. Yeah, because that, that's what they believe that you should yeah, be doing. I saw a documentary from Chinese people, uh, Chinese punks that are doing this. They're every Friday down a, a corner somewhere and they're giving food and uh, clothes. To the homeless. I have recently pitched an idea to the BBC to do the documentary about Chinese punk because music is so heavily regulated over there. Mm. And for me, in my mind, for a state that is so authoritative towards the music, well, any kind of freedom of expression and punk music to be able to express itself there is country. It, it doesn't, in my, mind, in my mind, it should never exist. Yeah, punk I know. Should never, I'm, I'm same wise. I'm yeah. same wise. It should never be there. So that, that interests me, whereabouts this punk music, even when the, the, the government is so harsh on freedom of expression, but yet there's still a, 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 a seed. Uh, what's, the, what's that island uh, that was once in uh, the property of England? <laughs> there's many. There was one, uh, one Chinese one. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Maybe they're, they're only there. Well, no, there, there, there is, there's, a, there's a big hardcore scene in Hong Kong. Okay. I know this. Um, but it's all like in mainland China. So like, um, uh, I can't, it begins with a G. I can't remember the name yeah, of the region. Well. <laughs> there's, there's lots. <laughs> China's massive. Um, but yeah, it, it's like punk music itself. It, there's, like, it's growing. And <laughs> I love that idea that punk can grow even in the most authoritative states. would be nice to know if there is any North Korean wouldn't that be amazing? This is North Korea. Would be crazy. Well, I think they'd be dead. <laughs> There's no way they've survived that. Yeah, or maybe Kim Jong Il is a punk fan. I mean, no yeah, is. that's one thing. Uh, like, we have a photograph in the in the museum, uh, and it's pretty pretty heavy. It's like a concert with the Sugar Cubes here in Iceland mm-hmm. in a little club. And An Icelandic you, band, right? Yeah, and you have the president of Iceland, the president of France, the cultural minister of France, and the cultural minister of Iceland in the front row watching those punk <laughs> punks making music. <laughs> well, you never know. I mean... Well, yeah. Let, let's hope... That, I mean, he's got a funky hair. I mean, oh, come so. on. I'm 50 years old. So there must be some politician that was a punk when he was a teenager. But there's a lot somewhere. of... In we England, got them here. Yeah, I and mean, in, in, got, our, our former health minister is a punk. Really? Yeah, and okay. uh, our former mayor is a punk.
I signed Dick Punk. So, so the bands that but the artists that are probably associated with um, Iceland obviously got Bjork and then um, uh, is, is it Toss Amaros? Well, now you're talking tongues, man. Uh, I, I, the, the names, the names. Yeah. I, I haven't played down. But there's, there's, there's been like, a, there has been a, uh, a collective of Icelandic artists yeah. who have progressed from Iceland and made it internationally. What about Icelandic punk bands? Why are, why don't you feel they they've made the leap? Well, there are a few that are that have made their name, but uh, because it's punk, it just stays in the in the punk scene. So, yeah. I mean, the, like a, one of the loudest bands, they like to call themselves, and they are really loud. Are the Pink Street Boys? Those yeah. guys are just going out in, to England to whatever country in Europe and they're playing and they're playing and they're playing and people know about them and they're asking the, those guys to come come again and play more you yeah. know so and uh, yeah I mean I'm, I'm terrible with names but we, we had a few bands that have been going out and just keep on going out because people want them more yeah and uh, it's more in the metal okay, the metal, yeah. metal bands are more but that's also newer than yeah. punk. So, but yeah, I don't know. The, there are some guys that have gone out and do stuff, but most of uh, the others would just stay here in, in Iceland. And it's, it's big enough. <laughs> so what about, what about people who do want to explore the Icelandic punk scene? I know you just said you, you're quite bad with names, but can you can you rip some off your mind? and, and Well... The old ones, there is Purkur Pinnik, the Fraplanir, you got Q for You, Sacht Mulder. Those are the bands that are still playing today, after 40 years or so. And then you got uh, new bands that are coming up, uh, like Dölipli, Kailan Mikla, uh, yeah, there we go, Mordinganir, Hormoner, and yeah, yeah. there, there are so so many good bands and new bands, you know. It's uh, yeah difficult to, <laughs> to remember them all, but <coughs> yeah, that's why that's why punk don't die. It doesn't die here or doesn't uh, disappear or nothing. There, there is always new blood, hmm. always young kids that are still angry and express themselves in, through the music and go the punk way. So what is the punk way? Here in Iceland, the punk way is basically you you do it yourself. You try to do as much as you, you can yourself. In the music thing, it's playing punk. The lyrics can vary from uh, going uh, being drunk to political uh, attacks. Much, especially when uh, it's girl, uh, girls in the band, and it's going to be uh, feministic. I don't know if it's right no, girls. It's, it's kind of called right girls in Europe. I don't what? know if right girls is like the, the the feministic punk scene. What I understand, it's called like riot girl. Okay, okay. I, I don't know if that's the same. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go too much <laughs> too much in that. I respect them and everything like that, you know. But I. I it's too much politics for me, you know. But from what I understand, from reading an interview that I that you've done, because I do do research, as I always say on this podcast, I do uh, do research. Um, it was politics that got you into punk, right? It yeah. wasn't the music. Yeah, the, it goes both ways. Like the lyrics yeah. of the bands realized that I was thinking the same, or they were giving me some hints of what could be better or opened up my eyes for things that I didn't know. I mean, like uh, the troubles in El Salvador at the time, I got them through DMC, Dead Million Cops. They were talking about the problems in uh, El Salvador at the time. I didn't didn't know about uh, that it would be possible for some country to have their own army turn against the people. You know, and 15 years old, I all of a sudden what the fuck you know (laughs) okay and through that I I got to know Amnesty International and those 
political uh, organizations that are doing something to free the people yeah. in whatever cause they are in. So yeah, politics came through punk because the lyrics are were political that I, that I was listening to. So in the times that we live in now, whereabouts? I mean, when we were walking here, we spoke about how shit politics is right now, and both sides. Does it, you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't. Yeah. Are you surprised there hasn't been another boom of punk music? Like, do you, do you think that's kind of been taken over now by hip-hop yeah. in particular? Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I, I know a few guys that are in the hip-hop scene, and the fun, the fun thing is, when I was 14, 15 years old, People were like going, looking at me and went like, what the fuck are you wearing? Are you sane or whatever? And I didn't understand them. I, like the first thought was, of course, well, it doesn't concern you to, <laughs> to begin with. And what? What the fuck? You know? And then when it came to the music, it was always, what, uh, what the hell are you listening at? Uh, I could do that in the kitchen with uh, the, the tools of your mother. Uh, all this. Go do that. Go find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you go do well, that. I, I said that once, uh, twice, and whatever. Now, I met uh, met those guys, those hip-hoppers, or whatever they're called, and they had their trousers almost down their knees, you know, and I go, what the fuck? Put up <laughs> your trousers. And all of a sudden, I, I see this older generation that was talking about my clothes, and they're listening at this music, and I go... Can you put it down, please? <laughs> <laughs> and I, all of a sudden I went, wow, come on. Mm. Then I get to know these guys, and they're, they're just the same. I, I mean, they're, they're, they're just living together in some shithole housing. And, you know, you you would go, uh, like nowadays, I would go like, come on, put uh, take take that trash, put it somewhere. You know, they're, they're living the life. Yeah. And... They're just as angry at the government as I was at my time, you know, and yeah, I, I think uh, at least here the, the hip-hop is the new punk. The, I mean, for me, I think the similarities is unbelievable between hip-hop and punk. Yeah. It, it literally, like, punk was angry kids picking up music, mu uh, picking up cheap instruments, not really know how to play them, and then making a noise. Hip-hop were kids picking up a mic, which doesn't really cost that much, yeah. and having, having people mixing over music and then making a voice for yeah. themselves because they're angry for, there's been no other music for me no other music genre that has had that similarity uh, from angry from uh, youth and then to the mainstream yeah, totally agree totally so, agree let's get back to the museum opened in 2016 and were you there from the beginning yeah, yeah. so how did you get that job well uh, as a curator sorry I must yeah, yeah. Uh, basically because they were making it a uh, the museum, the, they called me and they asked if I would uh, be interested. At the time I was pumping gas, so you can imagine <laughs> what I said. <laughs> so, so, so what kind of people you know is come through the doors? Because in the year... All kinds, all kinds. Uh, is it fascination or is it hardcore fans or...? You got both the hardcore fans, you got the... Older punks that uh, think they went they went straight, had a family, and there are a lot of people that come uh, that start with uh, coming with excuses. You know, I was a punk, but I had to quit. And go, you don't quit punk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but uh, I got married, uh, I got a job, and uh, go, yeah. So, you know, congratulations. You know, or uh, yeah, there's some nostalgia is going on. Some people. Uh, I see it by, with the Icelandic people that are coming. It's the curiosity, you know. They've seen us all the time. Mm. They don't really know anything about it. So, hey, here's a museum talking about history. Let's check it out. And then, yeah, you can, you can hear sometimes, yeah, I thought you were a totally different person. You know, then they've been imagining something... I don't know, based on some movies or whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then they got in contact with me through the museum, start to talk to me, and they go, oh, I thought you were to a totally different person. Uh, in the old days, I just went to the other side of the street when I saw you, you know, and go, yeah, yeah. why?
I mean, what what has been the most strangest interaction you've had at the museum over this year? The strangest interaction. What's the, what's the weirdest someone's come up to you and have, have you have you had someone who's tried to convince you there's someone they're not? No, 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 nothing like that. The, my strangest guest would be the one that came in and said to me instantly when he came in, I hate punk. And I went like, okay, that's good. And I, That's $5, please. And I said, <laughs> yeah, I said to him, well, if you're going to check it out, uh, you, you have to pay. And uh, she took the money and just almost threw it at me and said, I, I just hate punk. And I was a bit concerned because... I didn't, I don't know, maybe she was with a spray can or whatever and was going to destroy the fucking museum because she hates punk. So I was a bit concerned. Then it took about uh, two, three minutes. Then she came and stood, watched me and said, I still hate punk. And went out. That was, uh, I think, the strangest <laughs> ever encounter of a, a guest. My, my most... Mem- uh, remember the one I remember most is the the one where uh, there were about ten people uh, in the museum, and there is a guy who starts to drum, and uh, he's been drumming about one two minutes or something like that. And all of a sudden, there's another guy that comes and take a, takes the ba- the bass and start to play with the guy who is drumming. And they they've been playing and uh, stopped a few times, laughed and started again. And then the third guy comes in, takes the guitar, and starts to play. And they're playing about half an hour. And we're talking, okay, it's not punk as such. There was some blues in it, some rock, and things like that. Anyways, they finished. Only two of them could talk together, because the third one was from Belarus or something like that. Uh, One was from Australia, and the other one was from Canada. Uh, Connected. They went out together and they were talking about getting out and having having a beer. And I, I got chill. Yeah, that's goosebumps. Nice. Uh, you know, I went like, oh, this, this is wonderful. I mean, yeah, it's from a jam. Yeah. Oh, that's connecting sweet. through a jam uh, at yeah. the Icelandic Punk Museum. Why not? You know. So, so do you get any bands rolling in? Like, do, have you have no, you, you uh, recognised any? <coughs> no, n- not bands. Well, we have had band members mm-hmm. of, yeah coming and uh, checking it out or just heard about it and had to, to see it so because obviously Iceland now is A it's a stopover for people going to America and B because of cheap flights now yeah. this like Reykjavik itself this, the capital of Iceland has just been influxed with tourists yeah. And from what I was reading, there's, there's like pros and cons of these tourists coming to Reykjavik. Yeah, as always, as always. Exactly. So with cheap flights, have you have you noticed more international punk artists coming to Reykjavik and playing? No. Um, it's still not a destination. That no, it's uh, the, the last years has been uh, like here. This place, Gökerin, uh, which uh, is the bar we're in, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this place here has been through the years been inviting half big artists or guys that are going to be big yeah and uh, so there is a lot more tourism going on but uh, the music thing has been going on before that and we got a few guys that are really wonderful and have a lot of contacts everywhere and they're just hauling in people they're talking to a lot of bands and asking them to come or if they should be flying there, if they know that uh, this band is going to tour to America on these dates, let's call them and check out, can they help here and play one gig or two? So, (coughs) now it's... it's, We don't need more. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, back to the museum. So how do you find... The, the, the stuff you put on display is it been donated or is it stuff that people have um, that yourself that you've collected or is it a bit of both well basically the only thing that's there as a uh, things to watch is uh, the instruments and uh, the jackets and vests that are hanging there yeah and uh, I got two jackets there my old old one that was I was wearing in the old days and then uh, another one that I made after the new the old one 
I couldn't wear it anymore. It was just so teared up. I had to add a new one. Problem with that one is I couldn't wear it because it was brown. <laughs> the color was brown. Okay. Like a shit brown. <laughs> and I thought it would be no problem. But it just bugged me so much that I never could wear it. So, but then we have also the a jacket from Siki Punk. And uh, yeah, two or, two or three other jackets from one or other, other guys. There are a lot of jackets still alive. Mm. But they're living a life in a closet. Okay. Where they don't see the daylight, but the owner just doesn't want to part yeah. with his past. So so who's the owner? Sorry. You, I know you said it earlier on, but who was the owner? Uh, he's, uh, he he's doesn't want to... Man. Yeah, he, he wants to be invisible. Fair enough. So how was it... When, when this got put forward, and you said that there were the... Um, somehow it happened, that, that, that the museum happened. And now it's been a year on. Can you see yourself moving because you need more space? Because it is quite small. Yeah. Or, or can you see that's the charm? Uh, to, to begin with, that's the charm. The charm. And uh, the museum is just um, big enough because we are only uh, talking about the first 10 years, 15 years of the punk scene. Yeah. We're not going fur- further with it. If we should expand with the, the history itself and go all the way to today, today then we should have, have a bigger place but then you go like what is what place can we use after this one because that it's a gem yeah it's a total diamond this to have the, this toilet <laughs> you know <laughs> and i can't imagine i, I can I, I don't know if there's another place that would be as cool a male toilet somewhere there is another one, uh, a male toilet on the other side of the street. Is it actually like being and used? They're as a fixing toilet? it up. Uh, there's gonna be some uh, arcades, okay. stuff from the eighties, as I understand. So you could connect the museum with the arcade thing, but yeah, they decided to make a, an arcade rather than to expand the, the punk museum. So it's coming up to about. It's come over a year now since the museum's opened. Would you say it's been a success? Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, at least from my point of view. I don't know the, uh, the money side of it or nothing like that. So, but from my point of view, totally. I mean, we are having as much, if not more, people now than we had for a year ago. So, can't complain. Yeah. And when we opened, we didn't we didn't know anything. We didn't know if there would be anybody coming in or. You know, maybe nobody was interested in punk. I mean, for some it's old stuff, you know, boring. Yeah. So, no, I think it's a total success. Uh, and still. And has it in Nike? And I mean, come on. I, I, nowadays there are people coming with still their, their uh, traveling bags and everything. Just came from Keplavik, just came to Reykjavik. And it's the first thing they do before they go to their hotel. Yeah. And they do it because their friend was here before and said, it's the first thing you do in Reykjavik. When you, when you come to Reykjavik, you go to the museum. And here I am. How much does it cost? Yeah. And you go, okay, well, what to do with all those bags? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Outside. Especially with, uh, last, like last time there were four guys coming in. They had their backpacks, they had some uh, trolley thing also. and. It's a small museum. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, has it like it, it, um, ignited your love for punk more? Nah, no, nah, nah. I mean, nah. So, so, do you not get a thrill out of other people? Because there are tourists all over the world now coming to Iceland. Doesn't does it not thrill you to see like? Let's use a Chinese tourist, for instance. Just like really getting excited by just playing on the drums or the guitar and just and them trying to be like well I don't know I, I, I always like it GD when Allen. people people that, uh, take the instruments and do something and yeah. there, there are a lot of people that start for, the first thing they say is I can't play anything you know and go, it doesn't matter make You're noise you know? <laughs> so it's fine and they start 
and some stop quite quickly others just keep on going like you say would you please gonna stop now you know (laughs) (laughs) at the end it's always fun it's always fun to see the people try it break their own eyes you know okay let's do it nobody's watching you know and I don't know more love for punk I don't know if it's possible I'm a punk I don't love myself (laughs) it's what I am you know (laughs) So, final thoughts of, of of the museum. What what would you like to see in the next five years for the museum? Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> Too far forward. L- looking forward. <laughs> Hello. Hey ho. No, I don't, I don't know. I mean, let's hope that after four or five years we're still there. And I don't know, really. It's, uh, new walls so I can decorate my walls again yep. I'm getting pretty itchy <laughs> to paint over everything and start again but no I don't know it's just don't think much about the future okay fair enough so let's say for instance someone wants to donate to the museum would you be happy for people to do that yeah yeah but of course it's a museum about Icelandic punk yeah so you know is that a worry for you, for people to go there thinking it's not going to be about Icelandic? There are a lot of people that think it's just a bug museum. Yeah. And I have to, to correct them when they're inside. And uh, once I correct them, they go, oh, okay, that's nice, you know. But there are a lot of people that uh, don't read the signs outside. They just see punk museum, oh, let's go. And didn't see the Icelandic above everything, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how it's possible, but there are... Still, people asking me for beers, or if uh, the, the, there's a menu somewhere, or you know, <laughs> like <laughs> like it's a themed restaurant. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's all burgers come with spit in it. Mm-hmm. That, that all burgers come with the spit in it. <laughs> if it only was spit, <laughs> <laughs> that's the secret sauce. Let's leave it on that disgusting uh, for. Well, thank you. What? For, do, for doing this and uh, I will be there soon and everyone who's listened to this if you are going to be in Iceland come check it out it's going to be an amazing place it is an amazing place and you get to see this gentleman who you're there quite often aren't you and, yeah, and, I am almost every day and for what I read you're very friendly to come talk to so it's not like he's a scary man behind the camera so I just you. shaved <laughs> <laughs> thank you again cheers Thank you to Sveti and the Icelandic Punk Museum. If you ever are in Iceland and you you really should go, go and check out the museum. It's a tiny gem of a place. Uh, also, don't forget to talk to the locals because when I was over in Iceland, um, I just spoke to the local people. They're very friendly, and they pointed me to punk shows that I would have never known were going on in basements, uh, in small pubs, and that's how I found out where shows were happening and I, I went over there and I, I enjoyed it greatly. If you want to explore Icelandic punk and hardcore a little bit more, then swing over to punksandpubs.com where you can find my top 10 Icelandic punk and hardcore bands. Something that I discovered after coming home and doing a bit more research about Icelandic punk. Have a listen and let me know what you think. That's it for episode 7 of Punks and Pubs. Go rate and review because it fucking helps the podcast and it does really help the podcast grow. Follow on social media at Punks and Pubs on Twitter and Instagram. And as always, if you're going to a punk show and someone falls down, you pick them right back up. Closing out the show this week is a band from Brazil. Get your dancing shoes on. This is Abra, Scardabra with Dream. See you next week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. When the drugs came, but you come to the wrong door. And the war-